All we know is this, this space is going up. Crypto, Bitcoin, ETH, they are going up and to the right over the long-term time horizon. Bankless Nation, it is the third week of April. David is in Amsterdam. I'm in the US uh, and we are getting ready to present you with the weekly roll-up. David, how you doing, man? How's Amsterdam going? Oh, dude, Amsterdam is absolutely majestic. Uh, something that has complete consensus with everyone here is that Amsterdam is a great city. Uh, it's so walkable, it's so pretty, the, the weather's beautiful, uh, sun is out, but it's cold and crisp, there's canals, I went on a boat ride yesterday. What? Uh, it, it was also 420 in Amsterdam yesterday, so uh, <laughs> a lot of, some people that's got like up the, to some shenanigans. It's like the 420 capital of the world too, right? <laughs> that's exactly right, yeah. Uh-huh. That's cool, man. Uh, so, but what were you there for? It was like a crypto conference, right? DevConnect? Oh yeah, maybe that's relevant. Yeah. <laughs> DevConnect, yeah. So this is a, an Ethereum, the EFs, uh, basically what they did, really genius model, is they uh, hired or they rented out the uh, convention center in the middle of the city. Uh, and it's now just a co-working space. And so the everyone who signed up can just co-work there. So I've just been hanging out there. Uh, and that's all that they did. On theme with a modular structure, uh, all the EF did was, was is rent out this center space for us to converge upon. And then many, many, many other entities made other uh, like short-term, like day-long panels or day-long talks or day-long events. Uh, so uh, there's the Shelling Point from Kevin Owaki. I was at Obelfest from Colin Myers. Uh, there was also, uh, what is it, Trust X, where I had a, uh, I was on a panel with uh, some gigabrains, Danny Ryan, Preston Van Loon, Dank Rad. Uh, and so it's just like everyone is appending their own uh, conference their own day of talks so it's and kind of like an unconference right where everyone yeah. sort of mm -hmm. just you know c creates their own event and, exactly. and brings their piece to the party mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. so um is this like a mini devcon then would you say I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a sub, it's a something brand new. Um, all of the core Ethereum researchers, like the client researchers, they all got into a room and powwowed, uh, and so like actually made some progress. Uh, and th that is actually the big uh, theme, I would say, of this particular uh, event, where like people are busy, like people are getting work done. Uh, and so like it's not like the it's not like NFT NYC or it's not like uh, like Eat Denver, which was more of like a festival. Like the we're here building. We're here to build, right? <laughs> and you can actually see that in some of the nightlife where people are going out to parties at like 10 p.m. But then the parties kind of shut down between midnight and, and 1 p.m. because people got stuff to do the next day. Builder culture, badass. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Well, uh, we'll talk more about that because I want to hear uh, if you got any updates on like Ethereum mm -hmm. research. Like, when yeah. merge, David? When Can merge? you be the yeah. when merge guy? <laughs> yeah. uh, but of course, we've I, got will, some... I will tell you what people have been saying about the merge tell, date. Tell us towards that's the all end we're of asking. the show. That was I. I actually met Justin Drake for the first time, and so I got a beer with Justin Drake, and uh, he was just like lovely to hang out with. And of course, we talked about the merge. Um, so more on that at the end of the show. Okay, merge alpha. We'll, we'll see what uh, Drake thinks about the merge. Uh, of course, we got some other topics of the week because crypto can't stop, won't stop. Sneak peek into the Coinbase NFT platform launch. We have the beta. We have our hands on a copy. I've given it a trial run. I want to hear what you think about it too, David. We'll go through that. Also, North Korea apparently was the attacker of the Ronin sidechain, that massive $600 million plus exploit. That was actually North Korea. That's what the mm -hmm. US government is saying. So what does that mean? We are now nation state attacked uh, blockchains after mm -hmm. a fashion. Uh, also, Arthur Hayes, BitMEX CEO, founder, thinks we're headed for a bear. I think we had to talk about that in the market section. See if he's right. See what the bear case is for crypto right now. Uh, Andre Cronier, 
Also, he's a DeFi developer, of course. He had some spicy takes this week, David, about regulation in DeFi. It seems to be the anti-Andre move, and he wants to incorporate some regulation in DeFi. So we're going to weigh in on that. And there were also some spicy takes about his spicy takes. A lot of people <laughs> called called some BS on Andre Cronier's take uh, uh, article, very short article. So that was uh, very hot in the Twitter sphere this week. So we're going to talk about all of those things. Uh, one thing, talking about conferences, talking about DevConnect and a builder conference, another builder conference that you absolutely should attend, must attend, is Graph Day. This is happening in San Francisco. It's going to be a four-day event, June 2nd through the 5th. Day one is the talks, right? That's where you listen, you learn, you get educated. But the remaining three days of this four-day conference, it's all it's all pure hackathon, which is amazing for builders. So if you are in a builder, if you are a builder, you want to get into the Web3 space. Like the graph protocol is basically indexing everything about the metaverse, everything about crypto. They are like a data layer for this whole universe, Web3 universe that we have uh, delved into. So it's a fantastic place to meet other builders, to actually participate in the hackathon, earn bounties for yourself, uh, and get into the space. Maybe you're looking for a career in the space. This would be the event to attend. Look at these uh, speakers, David. It's stacked. It's stacked. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cami Russo is going to be there. Reese Lindmark, one of my personal heroes, is there. Ava Balin. Uh, yeah. It's check out the lineup and, and the talks. I'm sure going to be fantastic. And of course, if you are a hacker, they have money for you. That's what a hackathon does. Uh, and so, if you want to compete for some money and you are a hacker who wants to hack on things, uh, sign up to join the hackathon. Go get your tickets now. If you use the the code in the Bankless show notes, there is a fifty dollar discount for you as well. Um, all right, speaking of discounts, are we uh, are we discounted on Bitcoin and ETH this week? Let's start with the Bitcoin charts as we get to markets. What What's Bitcoin looking like? Uh, we are certainly not discounted this week, Ryan. We started the week at 39700 just below that $40,000 number, which we do not want to be below at. And we are currently above that number at $42,640, up about 7% on the week. Amazing. Look, man, uh, last week I said I was bullish. I didn't exactly know why, other than like a gut feeling. Are you claiming victory, Ryan? I'm not. Look, man. Yeah, I'm claiming victory. I was right from last week to this week. I will never claim uh, when I'm wrong, but when I'm right, I'm happy to claim that, David, on short-term price action. But seriously, guys, don't listen to me on anything short-term price related. All we know is this, this space is going up. Crypto... Bitcoin, ETH, they are going up and to the right over the long-term time horizon. Speaking of up and to the right, Ryan, Ether started last week at $3,000. It hit a low of $2,900. We do not like that $2,900 number. We want to be above that $3,000 number, of which we are currently clocking in at $3,150. Overall, up 4.5% on the week. So Bitcoin takes the week for this week. Is Bitcoin's yeah, win this it, week. Look, Bitcoin outperformed ETH this week. It hasn't done mm-hmm. that for a while, and that reflects yeah. in the ETH-Bitcoin ratio. That's got to be down this week. Yeah, down about a percent and a half, down to 0. 0.074. Um, down a little bit. Down a little bit. What are, we, are people getting Bitcoin bullish uh, off of Bitcoin Miami? Do you think, or uh, why do you think? Why do you think this happened? Uh, we just can't well, read too much into the, this data. Yeah, one part noise. Let's not read into it too much. But also one part, if we are bullish, like it is traditional to let Bitcoin go first. <laughs> as is tradition. After you. After, after you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a look at the total uh, crypto market cap and can compare Bitcoin and ETH mm-hmm. to that. So looks like we are up on the week for total crypto market cap, but not by a ton. What's that up on the oh, week? Oh, up, up 5%, brother. Yeah. 1.96 trillion last week to 2.07 trillion this week. 
but Bitcoin outperformed. Total but Bitcoin outperformed. Market, yeah, which, which it would, hasn't done that in old, a old while. man Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> outperformed the, the the market by like three percent, and Ether underperformed the market by 0.5 percent. Oh, proud of you, Bitcoin. Well done. Yeah, nice uh, round. We'll, we'll nice see. Round. We'll track it next week. I, I make no more predictions. I'm just, uh, you know, but one thing to watch, I think, in the backdrop mm-hmm. of this crab market, whether are we in bull territory, are we in bear territory, we're kind of somewhere in between, is the DXY, which mm-hmm. is the dollar index. And the dollar's been breaking out, man. Right. So this mm-hmm. is kind of weird. It's like when, when we say breaking out, it's appreciating right. relative to other fiat uh, coins, cryptocurrencies. Dollar strength. <laughs> yes, dollar strength relative to other fiat, not not relative to, to crypto, of course. A- and it's up. Like, look at this right. chart, man. It's up to like above any level since uh, mm-hmm. since COVID. And people right. are like wondering, maybe, why does the dollar go up when we are uh, being faced with eight and a half percent inflation? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the dollar went up in value in the early days of, of COVID if you recall. And I think the reason for this largely is the dollar is still a flight to safety asset. And people are uncertain. They don't know what the Fed is going to do. They don't know how that's going to affect other asset classes. And so what do they do temporarily? They retreat into the dollar for a while, wait for other assets to fall, and then redeploy their dollars into those assets. It's kind of like what you know traders do. Sometimes you and I might do this for rebalancing. We might um, rebalance back into stable coins mm-hmm. out of crypto for a period of time, wait things out, and then buy lower. What are your thoughts on this? Well, okay, so the general correlation is that as the DXY, as they, the Dixie, they call it, goes up, crypto is correlated, inversely correlated. So crypto goes down. Crypto didn't go down too much. I mean, it's gone down since like January or so as the DXY has gone not up. Not like with COVID. The other time the dollar was like on a COVID, tear, like right. crypto died. Yes. Tanked. Yeah. What I'm saying, Ryan, and maybe I'm just spinning it to talk my own books, but when I see the dollar going up, I just see more for it to fall. So, <laughs> <laughs> David, not bullish on the dollar long run. Um, no, you no know, but th- this is kind of the, the big question. Arthur Hayes, the CEO of, of BitMEX, who is um, you know big crypto trader, obviously monitors these things from a macro perspective. He made the case that a crypto correction is incoming. This is a block uh, he said crash, he Ryan. He said yeah. crash in his article. Did he? I'm yeah. going to say, I'm going to go search the word crash. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. it was it's a crash. Well, no, he time. said that. Nope. Yeah, crypto, crypto crash, crash helmet. helmet. Yeah. Put it on your crypto crash helmet. Okay. <laughs> Colorful language. Uh, love Arthur, um, you know, in, in his predictions. And ba- basically his rationale was crypto is correlated with tech stocks. He gives mm-hmm. all these examples of, of how crypto right. is correlated with tech stops, stocks. Right. Lots of charts. Tech stops, stocks are going down. Right, it's like, do you see Netflix this week? By the way, oof, big oof, lost fifty billion dollars. Right, Netflix subscriptions are down, so tech stocks going down Mm -hmm. as a result of the Fed policy tightening. And so, what does that mean? Yeah, Arthur's just putting one and one together, and he's just like, well, that equals crypto is also going down. Crypto is also classified as a risk on asset, just like tech Mm -hmm. stocks. So, if tech stocks are going down, of course, crypto has to follow it. And uh, put on your crypto crash helmet is what he's saying here. That's the bear case. Yeah, it also got way more nuanced than that, though. He also talked about the Central Bank of Japan and the Japanese equities market as like a canary in the coal mine as well. Um, some really big brain finance economy stuff that I'm not capable of reiterating. So if you want to learn more, uh, just read the article that's in the show notes. But the summary, the TLDR, is that he will believe, he believes that Bitcoin and Ether are crashing to the low, low prices 
of $30,000 Bitcoin and $2,500 Ether, which Ryan, like, <laughs> we, I'm kind of co- confused as to why he's not worried about crash. that. Yeah. That's like, not a crash like, helmet, man. We saw that, we've saw that this year, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, like, that's fine. Like, I'll Don't see those Don't need a helmet again. for that. That's just like, yeah. okay. You I, need a I, bid for that. Yeah. Did you say a bib? A bid. Oh, okay. <laughs> a bid. I think like a bib, like you're drilling or something. I don't know. But okay. So Bitcoin I, can, I can say that too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. You know, the interesting, um, I guess, opposite case is coming out on Monday's podcast with mm-hmm. Dan Moorhead. So Dan Moorhead does not think that crypto will remain correlated with tech stocks. And if you want to hear why, listen to him. He is the CIO, um, co-founder of Pantera Capital, and a lot of good macro takes here. So you can see the bear case put out by Arthur and kind of the bull case, but even Arthur is not very bearish when you like yeah. boil it down to pricing. <laughs> so Yeah, that, that's just a bad week, perhaps a really bad week. But that's not that's not like blood in the streets level. No um, way. That's well, not yeah. crash helmet level for yeah. sure. Uh, Let's put on your bibs, guys. That's all you need. Um, optimism. Ooh, this, is, this is fun. Yeah. Okay. So this is the talk of the town right now at, at DevConnect. Everyone is talking about optimism, uh, and we've got six indications that optimism is interested in a token. Uh, and so this is the first interested one. Interested in or imminently interested. deploying a token? Yeah, perhaps more of the latter, Ryan. Okay. Uh, and okay. so there, 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 there are some breadcrumbs being trailed, perhaps, and, and everyone at DevConnect is like, oh yeah, those, those, those are big breadcrumbs. So here's the first one. Uh, on April 19th, a few days ago, Optimism tweets out, Optimism's story thus far by the numbers. Saved $1.1 billion in gas fees for its users, onboarded 300,000 unique Ethereum addresses, secured $900 million in value, and facilitated $17.4 billion of transaction volume, and also generated $24.5 million in revenue. That revenue is impressive. That's a great revenue number. Yeah. Uh, $24.5 million from the the sequencing of the transactions. These are how roll-ups make their money. And then they finished this off with... A new chapter is near. Let's huh. take a minute to reflect on the path thus far. A new chapter is near. So Ryan, they're talking a lot about financial new chapters, like money numbers, and then they say a new chapter is near. What could okay. a new chapter that's, be? That, that's clue number one. But you clue said you one. had six. Six. Uh, yes. What's this? <laughs> what am I looking at? These. Uh, <laughs> this like is uh, this is the uh, red dot. There's a, this is a red dot emoji. There's like some dot emojis with the underscore with a red dot emoji. And this is generally a, a, a meme that many communities have. Uh, and this is now what Optimism tweeted out as like, okay, here's here's our community. But all the other communities, Ryan, have tokens that do this. Optimism would be mm. the first community to do this that doesn't have a token. Mm. Mm. That's kind of playful. Mm. Okay, clue yeah, number very two. Very playful, They're, very community generation. Some... Wait, this? Op- what is this? I have no clue what this is, but like <laughs> everyone is like, uh, the Optimism team, their, their sense of humor is very indie and, uh, and kind of uh, surreal, I would say. Um, yeah. and, uh, absurdist humor, I would say. And so for the listeners, this is a cat with its paw on a bunch of watermelon, but the watermelon are all red plush and they're toys? titled OPs. Are they plush toys? Yeah, maybe they're plush toys. Um, they look like watermelon. Uh, but like they're all circles, right? They're all like token-ish. Huh. Uh, and so with OP written on them. And like it's just kind of absurdist humor, but like everyone's like, I don't know how or why this makes me think that there's a token, but it does. <laughs> Clue number three. All right, what's number four? 
Uh, okay, this one's a little bit more explicit, Ryan. <laughs> it's kind of blatant. <laughs> yeah. This almost gets in the territory of a leak. Yeah, Coinbase shows price page for optimism, suggesting a token could be on the way. This might have been an accident by Coinbase, but they added mm. a token page under the title of optimism. Uh, and so this is all happening all at the same time. Thank you, Internet yeah. Sleuths, for uncovering that. <laughs> so yeah. is that number four? What, what, that's number five? four. That's number four. And number five is that I'm at DevConnect and everyone is talking about it. Uh, and so that's the other thing. That's the <laughs> other thing. You're talking explicitly about a token. Everyone's talking about, oh, yeah, have you seen the, the hints that optimism is leaving on the table? Okay. Uh, I was listening to a panel where all the a Layer 2s were uh, talking about Layer 2 stuff, uh, hosted by Anthony Cezano. I saw my best friend. He, saw, he was great. Gave him a big hug. And then he hosted a panel, and I watched that. Uh, and, of course, his final token, his final question is, when token, as a meme, like, when token, <laughs> ha, 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 you don't have to answer that. But then Ben Jones from, from Optimism immediately grabs the mic, and he goes, all information about this will uh, is viewable on our public website. Uh, there's, there's no information on there, but like, yeah, the exuberance of grabbing the mic to say that I thought was interesting. So that's number five, okay. Ryan. And number Look, six, are we, are we ready for number six? Or you want, you I, want to say You know, one? I'm ready, but I, I just want to interject one thing. So like Optimism releasing a token to me kind of kicks off layer two summer, layer two, layer two 22 two, that two. we've been saying, yeah. right? The big thing, mm-hmm. they've got the traction, they've got mm-hmm. the, the the value, they're generating the revenue. The next thing layer twos need is a token to accelerate all of this. Mm-hmm. So with that, what is the sixth clue? The sixth clue, Ryan, is just we're just going to straight up ask them on the State of the Nation <laughs> on Tuesday. They're coming because, on Tuesday. Because that is when they are scheduled for. So Optimism's huh. coming on the State of the Nation on Tuesday, and we are just going to ask them what their plans are with the token. Well, uh, hopefully you were a user of Optimism in the past. You probably Mm -hmm. saw them in our airdrop guide that we published on Bankless back in October. Uh, And, um, you know, we'll see see what happens. We'll see if this is imminent. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would be very interesting if they were one of the first major layer twos besides like Polygon and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. to release a token. I think that's Mm -hmm. a great news for retail who previously hasn't had exposure to, to many layer two options, investing options. And there is a, a spicy take that in addition to, we'll talk about this later in the take section, but uh, in addition to L222 coming, uh, L222, right, is going to be spicy. You know how, how spicy the alt layer one wars were? Yeah. Layer sp- two wars like, are going to be the we, same thing, brother. You're talking about like layer twos against layer twos? Yep. Yeah. Why do the kids have to fight, David? Kids are going to have to fight, Ryan. <laughs> Come on. I don't know. Like, I'm just, we're all on Team Ethereum, are we not? Yeah, this is true. Team this scalability? Is true. We're, we're all on Team Ethereum, but you know, you got to compete for the users. There's only so many users and so much TVL to go around. Well, I want to talk to you more about that later, but uh, let, let's keep moving for now. Cool. So uh, in other news, UST, that's the Terra stablecoin, just became crypto's third largest. So they just overtaken Binance USD. So I, it's probably just Tether and mm-hmm. uh, USDC leading. And then, yeah. and then UST and Algo stablecoin enters number third. What do you think about this? Yeah, um, I mean, you gotta gotta do the tip of the hat to the growth strategy of Terra. Uh, they scalable blockchain, scalable uh, uh, stablecoin. Um, when you add those two scalable things together, like you get a bunch of scale. Uh, and so, tip of the hat to UST to becoming token, uh, stablecoin number three. Don't screw it up, guys. Please don't screw it up. Please, please don't guys. screw it up. Uh, share of the NFT market. This is fantastic from Andrew Steinwald, who is a um, an NFT investor. Saw this a long time coming. In fact, predicted NFT season long before on a Bankless podcast, long before it came. Anyway, 
put together a fantastic report through his, through his crypto fund, his NFT fund, on total sales volume of NFTs. And it's divided into four categories, art, collectibles, gaming, and the metaverse as a percentage mm -hmm. of dollars. And what's interesting about this chart, David, is you could see kind of the squiggly lines, mm -hmm. how um, th the different categories ebb and flow. So mm -hmm. we had a massive sort of art season at first, and these would be probably one of ones. Uh, in you know 2020, 2022, and that has kind of tamed down as a percentage of market. And what's really that's gotta be in, art block season, right? Like that's yeah, uh, that's gotta I be think art some block of season. That. Yeah. Now mm -hmm. we got collectible as a big category and metaverse. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's interesting to track these different categories of NFTs over time because even within the NFT sector, some categories of NFTs can be bullish and others can be kind of bearish, and new ones are emerging all of the time. Uh, some other broad metrics. Uh, I think are pretty useful for you guys if you want a, a chart of what the NFT market share looks like. But in click aggregate, on the second graph. Uh, yeah, click on that this? one. I'll, I'll just blow this up here. Oh, okay. Doesn't doesn't Actually, do it. Yeah, there just you go. look there you at go. look at that, man. So from it started really everything NFT related started kicking off. It looks like in June of 2021. And that like total sales volume, the volume of NFT sales has just had a very strong floor ever since then, like huge spike in like August of 2021. But ever since then, like NFT volume, it looks like it's here to stay forever. Here it is. Uh, we're at uh, almost 10 billion yeah. in mm -hmm. total NFT sales volume from the beginning of this year. That's just the beginning of this year. So there's hope, uh, there's hope for your underwater NFT guys. Like there's still volume out there. Thank you. You, you tell me turtles are still going to be a thing, David. Turtles might still be a thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, David, we're going to talk about some more things that could be bullish for the NFT sector, in particular Coinbase. They just released their NFT platform. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. The era of proof of stake is upon us, and Lido is bringing proof of stake to everyone. Lido is a decentralized staking protocol that allows users to stake their proof of stake assets using Lido's distributed network of nodes. Don't choose between staking your assets or using them as collateral in DeFi. With Lido, you can have both. Using Lido, you can stake any amount of your ETH to the Lido validating network and receive ST ETH in return. ST ETH can be traded, used as collateral for lending and borrowing, or leveraged on your favorite DeFi protocols. All this without giving up your ETH to centralized staking services or exchanges. Lido now supports Terra, Solana, Kusama, and Polygon staking. Whatever your preferred proof-of-stake asset is, Lido is here to take away the complexities of staking while enabling you to get liquidity on your stake. If you want to stake your ETH, Terra, Sol, or Matic and get liquidity on your stake, go to Lido.fi to get started. That's L-I-D-O.fi to get started. If you're trying to grow and preserve your crypto wealth, optimizing your taxes is just as lucrative as trying to find the next hidden gem. Alto IRA can help you invest in crypto in tax advantage ways to help you preserve your hard earned money. Alto Crypto IRA lets you invest in more than 150 coins and tokens with all the same tax advantages of an IRA. They make it easy to fund your alternative IRA or crypto IRA via your 401k or by contributing directly from your bank account. There is no setup or account fees and it's all you need to do to invest in crypto tax-free. Let me repeat that again. You can invest in crypto tax-free. Diversify like the pros and trade without tax headaches. Open an Alto Crypto IRA to invest in crypto tax-free. Just go to altoira.com slash bankless. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash bankless and start investing in crypto today. 
Aave is the leading decentralized liquidity protocol, and now Aave V3 is here. Aave V3 has powerful new features to enable you to get the most out of DeFi, including isolation mode, which allows for many more markets to be launched with more exotic collateral types, and also efficiency mode, which allows for higher loan-to-value ratios, and of course, portals, allowing users to port their Aave position across all of the networks that Aave operates on, like Polygon, Phantom, Avalanche, Arbitrum, Optimism, and Harmony. The beautiful thing about Aave is that it's completely completely open source, decentralized, and governed by its community, enabling a truly bankless future for us all. To get your first crypto collateralized loan, get started at Aave.com, that's A-A-B-E.com, and also check out the Aave Protocol Governance Forums to see what more than 100,000 DAO members are all robbing about at governance.ave.com. Hey guys, we are back with the releases of the week. Have to start with the hottest release of the week, which is the Coinbase NFT platform just rolled out into beta. All right, so uh, only for a subset of users, this is the Coinbase blog, GM, Coinbase NFT is now in beta. David, I know you've been super busy this week. Have you had a chance to take a look at this? Or Absolutely you... not. You're do you have an have invite though? So did I someone do have an invite, yeah. Coinbase, okay. the Coinbase NFT platform invited me, but I was like, ah, I don't have time for this. Yeah, I saw uh, they DM me from the Coinbase and they said, here's an invite code. And I was like, what? Is this a scam? And it looks like it's legit from Coinbase. And uh, it turns out I got a risky click. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have an invite to the beta platform. This is kind of what it looks like. So if you guys are viewing this on YouTube, you can sort of see. And what was interesting about this, and this is from our conversation with uh, Brian Armstrong, is how social networky mm. it actually is, right? So right. look at this. This looks like a timeline. You might find on a social ah, network. Neat. You see this timeline? Neat. Accounts to follow. Which makes sense uh, because the NFT ecosystem moves forward in time very, very quickly, right? Like the fads yeah. move very quickly. So it makes sense for a timeline structure to, to be that way. Well, it has an account. Like you can go follow right. Brian Armstrong. Brian Armstrong, um, the, the new Tom of the Coinbase NFT platform. Yeah, who's he following? He's not following me yet. Oh. Brian Armstrong, please follow. Uh, please but he's follow got me. a thousand <laughs> followers, right? And you can see what's in his wallet. Um, I could actually like see everything in my wallet. I'm not logged in at the moment. But, and then of course there's the OpenSea shop capability, right? So you can actually start to buy some of these things. Um, I don't know, man. Look, Mark Zuckerberg talking about the metaverse, right? Last week we talked about his plan was to do a 50% commission on any NFT sale. Do you think he sees this and is like oh, shit in his pants right now? You think he's concerned? <sighs> God, if about that 50% what Coinbase is doing? tax is real, then he has to, like, how, it's completely unjustifiable. Uh, anyways, yes, 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 is your answer to that. Yeah, it's just, uh, look, Coinbase is is becoming more of a social media type brand with this play. And we'll, I, I like it. Personally, I mm -hmm. like it. I think there's a lot of potential here. It's fairly simple right now, but I'm excited to see it uh, expand. So this is in beta now. It'll go generally available, I'm sure, in the kind of the weeks to come. Of course, Coinbase is attending the commission uh, permissionless conference and their VPs over this are going to talk more about it. So if you're attending that, you can you can get the scoop. But mm -hmm. also, it did something to uh, 0x token price, David. What, what's that about? Yeah, so Zero X, the Zero X network is a relaying network for messages about trades. Uh, and so they said they uh, Coinbase NFT platform platform announced that they are using the Zero X network to facilitate trades. Uh, and as a result, the Zero X token is up thirty percent. So congratulations to the Zero X uh, network, the Zero X DAO, and Zero X token holders. Um, That's the, cool. They, they claim the very strong gas efficiency, efficiency, and also cross chain messaging for cross chain chain sales. Which I think is, I, I don't know how that would work, 
because you can't like buy an Ethereum NFT on Solana, but maybe you can pay for an Ethereum NFT and get your Ethereum NFT using Solana tokens or something like that. Well, yeah, this TB, is kind of going multi-chain, like being able to view it. Yeah, but I'm not sure how the trading works, yeah. whether they're bridging from chain to chain, if that's right. what you're talking about. But uh, right. right now, the Coinbase marketplace, NFT marketplace is just um, Ethereum only. So that's where they're starting, but I'd imagine they'd expand to uh, other chains as well. So pretty cool launch. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Hopefully this mainstreams more people into the NFT world, right? There's mm -hmm. like, what, 40, 40 million or so, yeah. maybe 50 million TBD Coinbase users. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. So, and they had a lot of interest for this too. Uh, another thing that happened this week, I guess, in the releases section is the Ethereum Foundation finally released their financial transparency report. What's the significance of this, David? Yeah, this has been long sought after by from the general Ethereum community to EF, tell us what your bags are. Uh, the <laughs> EF is a nonprofit that got spun up at the very genesis of Ethereum. It had part of that genesis allocation of Ether from the very beginning. And they've been slowly selling that Ether over time to fund stuff, developer salaries, things like DevConnect and DevCon, for example. Um, but there hasn't really been too much uh, transparency into the actual financials of the EF. Uh, and, and largely the first like two years, three plus years of the EF was very, very chaotic. And so like getting all the ducks in a it row. It almost went this, underwater. Like they almost ran underwater. out of money. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah right. Uh, um, but like things are really shaping up around the EF and they, they finally re re release a report that describes what is actually in the EF treasury. Uh, and it's a lot of money, Ryan. Uh, I think it's over a billion dollars. Um, and 80, yeah, $1.61 billion in Ether. Uh, excuse me, 80% of that is in Ether, uh, which is, if you want, uh, are curious, that is 0.3% of the total circulating supply of ETH. Uh, and also they hold $11 million in other cryptocurrencies, probably Bitcoin because they uh, took the Ether, like Genesis sale, the pre-sale in Bitcoin. So they've probably been holding some of that Bitcoin for a really long time. Uh, and then probably the rest is in dollars as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty close, right? So you said it's a lot. $1.6 billion is a lot of money, 80% mm -hmm. in Ether. But think about it from the perspective of total supply. It's tiny. It's, it's so, so tiny. Small. It's so 0. small. 0.3% mm -hmm. of all Ether supply. Compare that to the other centralized bodies that are um, creating clients mm -hmm. on some of the other alternative layer ones that are, like own 10, 15, 10, 15 20%. 20%. Yeah, sometimes way more. Yeah, sometimes way more massive amounts. So this is actually a modest, relatively modest amount. Good, of course, to see that they're holding it in ETH. I mm -hmm. imagine they'll stake like you could basically create kind of a perpetual funding for something right. like the EF. If you just take a, a large portion, say a billion dollars of your ETH, and you stake, you generate a four or five percent return. And then you kind of fund the protocol for what it needs. I wonder if that's what the plan is. Long term, yeah, we, instead of having block rewards funding, which is extremely contentious, uh, but also very, very sustainable, like proof of stake yields from a billion dollars, that can fund a lot of salaries for a large amount of time. Yeah, and that's a billion dollars at today's ETH price, right? When right. ETH hits 10K, right. when ETH hits 20K, when ETH hits 30K, as it's when going ETH to do. When ETH fulfills its manifest destiny. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a lot more. So uh, that's good. And uh, look, they're spending about $48 million per year right now. So they do have a fairly high burn. There's a breakdown of that too. Good to see some additional transparency here. It's, it's bullish. Um, David, another release this week. We're still on the releases. An NFT pr uh, product from Index Co-op. It's called mm -hmm. JPEG, JPG. What is this? Yeah, it's designed to provide liquid access to the top NFT collections 
through a single index token. Uh, and so in, in order to be included in this new JPEG index, a token must be a claim on or be collateralized by or provide currency for NFTs. Basically, it's not an index with NFTs inside of them. It's an index with ERC-20 tokens that are related to NFTs. So there's fractionalized uh, CryptoPunks, for example. There's the Jenny Dow. There's the SOX token for the Unisox. There's also the DOG currency out of the Doge ecosystem from PleaserDAO and a few others as, as well. Basically, it's a... Uh, if you are a token that has financialized NFTs in some way, this is an index for that. Cool. I'm excited to see that grow with some other financialized uh, ERC-20 assets as well. Um, also, Volt rolled out this week. This is like a CPI-adjusted stablecoin mm -hmm. designed by um, like the tribe ecosystem, the you know, creators of, of Fae. Uh, to me, when I read this, David, it seems sort of similar to what we were talking about with Sam, which is um, Frax's CPI-adjusted stablecoin, which is basically like inflation is 8.5% per year. You can hold your money in a stablecoin dollars, but why not create something new and create some sort of stablecoin that um, doesn't degrade at the rate of inflation, so it keeps up with C CPI. So you could hold it in this asset and uh, not get that 8.5% uh, inflation rate. They do that with an on-chain Oracle uh, that, that measures uh, CPI. What do you think about this? Yeah, I'm actually kind of skeptical about these whole CPI adjusted stable coins. Um, I guess they're good for holding, but when you break the peg of the dollar, you lose the dollar standard, right? And one of the reasons why stablecoins have so much liquidity is because they're all interchangeable with each other. DAI, Tether, USD, USDC, and there's a lot of liquidity there. You and use so like you, the unit of account, right? Right, like no breaking one, the no unit one... of account loses yeah. a lot of network effects. Right. Uh, and so like, can this thing be super liquid? Like TBD. I could totally understand, like, if you are interested in just holding your savings in dollars, then this would be a good thing to hold it in. But then are you going to be able to yield farm with this thing as much as you can with dollars in DeFi? Like, kind of unsure about that one. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical as to the adoption of this thing. Yeah, it's like a different standard. It, yeah. One thing I'll say is super cool that crypto can produce something like this, because this is not available in, like, mm -hmm. the quote-unquote TradFi real world. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like my, my, my idea about like, you know, storing wealth is I'll store some in dollars, right? But then I want to store everything else in like ETH. I, I don't right. want this mid in between right. thing that is just protecting me from uh, CPI inflation. I'd rather just have some state, right. some dollars over here and then ETH over here that's providing the protection and kind of the, the middle uh, part of the barbell. I just don't mm -hmm. really care too much about, but we'll see, that's just me. I mean, inflation was 8.5% reported, uh, like 10% plus actual. Again, Dan Moorhead podcast, going to be a great one. Uh, and so, like, I guess if you can't yield farm more than that, then it makes sense. Um, but, like, you can yield farm, you can get your yield farm returns pretty high. Um, yeah. So, well, this totally. is going to be a tug of war here. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, by the way, look, you, you mentioned the Dan Moorhead podcast. That's coming up. Mm -hmm. We just released the spring lineup for the Bankless podcast. Let me tell you. Oh, is this a Bankless release? <laughs> this is a Bankless release. We're fitting this in the releases. So uh, read out what's coming. What's coming down the, the, the pipe for well, Bankless? 
Dan Moorhead coming on Monday, but followed by Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki, the entrepreneur who's into NFTs, who also throws cake in the face of his fans. Uh, he's coming. We're, we're recording him on Wednesday. Ryan, I bet you didn't know that Steve Aoki is known for throwing cake, cake at people. I didn't know that, no. Yeah, yeah he's, known, he's known for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim O'Shaughnessy, he's coming on the podcast, followed by Raul Paul. And then Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, uh, he's coming on. We're going to live stream with him, uh, getting the other half of the shark, of the crypto shark tank. Um, and then, Ryan, I think uh, this last one's so great. Drum roll. Mark Andreessen and Chris Dixon. Mark Andreessen mm. comes back to, comes to the podcast for the first time, the Andreessen of A16Z. And then Chris Dixon coming back to co-guest with him as well. Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. Look, Andreessen doesn't do crypto podcasts. This might right. be his first one. Yep. I'm super excited to talk mm -hmm. to him. Okay. They're stacked. There are so few people left for the Bankless podcast, and those people are Elon Musk, <laughs> Ray Dalio, and that's about it. So Barack if you Obama. can, Barack, <laughs> yeah, when he gets, in, he needs to buy his NFT first. So if you can get us access to Ray Dalio, we really want Ray Dalio. He, he needs to come on Bankless, uh, and also Elon Musk. Elon Musk will come eventually, um, but Ray Dalio is the, is the one we're really. You know, it's actually for on right my now. list, David. Is uh, Elizabeth Warren? I want to have a yeah. nice talk with. With Elizabeth. Yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. Crypto things. Um, all right, let's go to Raises, man. Raises. So the mm -hmm. Sandbox, which is a metaverse, metaverse platform, yeah. they just geared up for another raise. This is a, a $4 billion valuation. They just raised $400 million. Pretty Huge. crazy. What's this next one, David? Framework Ventures, Vance Spencer. He was our first big episode on the podcast ever, the bull case for DeFi. They raised a $400 million fund with a special focus on blockchain and gaming. Uh, so okay. congratulations to the team over at Framework Ventures. I've met some of your guys uh, here at DevConnect. Yeah, it's a really talented team, super crypto native. Uh, an Indian cryptocurrency exchange called CoinDCX uh, just topped a $2 billion valuation, $130 million funding. Interesting to see every one of these nation state geographies have their own sort of set of exchange uh, players and uh, India is certainly one of them. So it's um, onboarding more Indians to crypto, which is uh, fantastic. What's this next one? Yeah, EPNS, the Ethereum Push uh, Notification System Service, uh, raised $10 million at a valuation of $131 million. This is like push notifications for anything that's happening to your wallets in case, like, I don't know, you get an airdrop, you can get a ping on your phone. Uh, $131 million valuation. Congratulations, guys. That's cool. Uh, speaking of Mr. Wonderful, coming on the podcast, mm -hmm. live streaming, he, mm -hmm. Kevin O'Leary, uh, his backed platform called Wonderfy just acquired Coinberry for $38 million. Coinberry is a Canadian cryptocurrency exchange. That's where Kevin's from, Canada. So it looks mm -hmm. like he's uh, wanting to um, get in on the Canadian market there with, with crypto. It's uh, pretty cool as well. David, did you have any jobs talk this week at, uh, in Amsterdam? Are, there, are people hiring? The, the joke was uh, Bartek, uh, we're, this is going to be also again later in the takes, but Bartek from L2Beat talked about uh, when he was going through his talk, he's like, well, I'm interested in hiring, but everyone in this room is interested in hiring. Uh, and so <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's nothing new information. Everyone is hiring in crypto. Uh, and so if you've got the talent, you, the, you can find the jobs. Yeah. And to find the jobs, go to bankless.palette.com slash jobs and you'll be able to find them. Okay. I'm going to read some out. 
for you Ooh, guys. This, this first one, though, I'm going to read this one out, Ryan. All right, Bankless Junior Designer plus After Effects skills. Uh, you might have re uh, remembered our ultrasound money. There is no floor meme a while ago, a GIF, a very long GIF. Uh, there was also this football GIF. If you are good with After Effects and also have junior design skills and want to be paid to make dank memes, Bankless, <laughs> the company that you are listening to right now, is hiring. Uh, yeah. So special call out for that. We're always in the dank meme market. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, an Ethereum core developer? Well, that's wow. A, that's wow. a really bold uh, job mm -hmm. position from Nethermind. They're an Ethereum client, a Golang engineer for Starknet client. Nethermind as well. We're still looking for a newsletter editor. I see David. He's up there. He's dancing. This is great. Uh, content manager at Tally, director of developer relations, a Solidity architect at Alu, a marketing manager at Mesha, UX designer, Prometheus Research Labs, community manager, DJ and Dogs Club, co-founder for innovative Omnichain DeFi Primitive, TBD, blockchain engineers at Masari, software engineer at Masari, operations manager, Syndica, senior product designer, smart DeFi, senior Go, Rust engineer, Syndica, senior full stack engineer, Syndica, Senior software engineer, Airdrop Labs. And David is now jumping on the bed in his hotel room <laughs> in order to help you get a job in crypto. That's the link this man is going to, to help you get your job in crypto, which is where you need to spend your career. It's, we're only gonna keep hiring. It's just mm -hmm. like this job list is only gonna get longer. Some people have their uh, their snow dance when they want snow to happen. They have their snow dance. I have the <laughs> I want bankless listeners to get a job in crypto dance. <laughs> join us, join us. Uh, let's talk about this news time. Um, one of the big news items of the week was a MetaMask hack exploit. Okay, Ruh -ruh. don't 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 freak out. It's not every MetaMask account, of course, but this is an interesting security hole. So one MetaMask user just lost $655,000 worth of crypto. A lot of these were NFTs using MetaMask on mobile. What happened? Well, apparently, if you have your settings set up to do this on your iPhone, MetaMask will actually upload MetaMask private keys to the iCloud, Apple's right, cloud, That's as bad. a backup right? To help restore MetaMask if you lose your phone or something, a backup, nice, nice friendly backup. Well, this user had his uh, iCloud account compromised. And so some of those private keys were compromised. And uh, so I think this is sort of a, a PSA. This is what like public service announcement. If you are using Meta, MetaMask on mobile, if you have an Android, if you have an iPhone in particular, and you are uploading that your backups, your private keys to iCloud, like don't do that anymore. Turn off that setting. Go check your phone right now. Uh, we'll include a link in the show notes where you can find the exact setting to disable under profile iCloud backups. Just don't back up your private key. Keep your private keys on your phone if you're using mm -hmm. MetaMask in, the, in this setting. Name a worse duo, private keys in the internet. Don't <laughs> Private don't keys in the cloud. Yeah. yeah. Don't put them in the cloud, guys. Mm -hmm. um, good private key management, good reminder. Uh, David, there was another exploit this week. I'm wondering if you'd talk about this, and uh, maybe we should start with the Bean price chart, because that's where the exploit was, this token called Bean. It looks like it's up 100%, but it's not. <laughs> it's not actually uh, on the actual front page. It's actually down very, very big. Uh, yeah, so there was a exploit for to the tune of $80 million, 24,830 ETH plus 36 million Bean token. Uh, all right, what is Bean? It's a decentralized algorithmic stablecoin. I think it's got uh, reminiscent, it, uh, it was reminding me of empty set dollar a while ago. Uh, when price goes above a dollar, they create more of these tokens to bring the price back down. And 
And then when the price goes down below, they uh, attract new buyers by issuing credit. Uh, and, you know, very risky, very experimental. Uh, seemed to be going well if you like, yeah, look at that market cap. Uh, market cap was going up and to the right really, really fast. Uh, and then it went to zero uh, because of an exploit. Uh, <laughs> near zero. Near very zero. near zero, basically to zero. Uh, and so the exploit was pretty interesting, actually. It was a flash loan governance attack that enabled the attacker to drain all of the money in the in the treasury, I guess. Uh, so there is a, a BIP, a, what I can imagine is a bean improvement proposal. 18 was flash loan approved by a hacker. And once that uh, EIP was merged on chain, I think this is how this works, uh, that enabled this exploit to happen. And then in that same transaction, uh, the attacker ap approved the governance proposal and then drained the and then drained the treasury with this all the flash loan and with yoinked all the funds. Uh, Eighty million dollars. So, I've never um, seen a chart like this, David. Look at this, man. Yeah, this is just falls crazy. off a cliff, right? This is what happens when an Elgo stablecoin gets hacked. Uh, you go from a hundred million dollars in market cap all the way down to like five million in yeah. the space of like 24 hours like a 96 97 percent loss boom yeah all gone. a five million dollar market cap ryan is essentially zero like it, 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 it it's pretty may as well zero. be yeah, yeah. and th this this hack was interesting you know what i think we've been talking a lot about algorithmic stable coins uh mm -hmm. recently and a lot of the concern about them is sort of depegging risk right if it's not right. back there's a kind of a the run on the bank and then everyone tries to cash out there's not enough liquidity and the price crashes right that's definitely one way an algo stablecoin could could die in a in a hurry but the other way is it just gets hacked this was an economic exploit so issues with the smart contract code essentially led to some flaws which allowed the flash loan governance attack and uh this also kills the algo stablecoin <laughs> so a lot of risks when we're talking right. about uh these types of stablecoins yeah especially when like algo stablecoins are inherently faith-based right anything under collateralized there is remaining remainder remainder collateralization is therefore faith and this one had zero collateral uh and so it was all faith uh, and so if once the economic incentives break uh, and then and it goes into faith. And if there's not enough faith there to back it up because it just got exploited, it just goes to zero. The bean it's community like, is still like trying to resolve, you know, uh, trying to come back from this. I don't know if they'll be successful or, or not. Mm -hmm. Certainly some of the other stable coins that have just evaporated never came back, like empty set right. dollar basis cash. Yep. They're all in the dustbin of history. So mm -hmm. we'll have to see. Reminding you that these algo stable coins in particular are incredibly risky and experimental. Uh, David, we said this in the intro, North Korea was actually responsible for last month's massive sidechain Ronin theft. The FBI mm -hmm. is now confirming this. What's the story here? Yeah, um, I actually don't know how we confirmed that it was North Korea, but uh, this Lazarus group, which uh, has been associated with North Korea, is apparently known, discovered to be responsible for the, the hack. So North Korea now owns $625 million worth of ETH. Uh, I tweeted out, out during that hack, like, hey, if you steal like $600 million from an exploit, do you have to pay taxes on that? And it turns <laughs> out in this case, they don't because it's North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and they, they're actually cycling a lot of this through Tornado Cash or some of it through Tornado Cash to try to, try that, to wipe the slate clean. That confuses me because like, what does it matter? <laughs> they're in North Korea. They're not hiding well, from anyone. Then they can they then they can change it like they can cycle it into I guess another asset and sort of cash cash out because right now you know the the ETH that they stole is uh, is kind of blacklisted from a lot right. of exchanges from the rest of the world. But the whole country is blacklisted, Ryan. 
I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know what is interesting to me, and this was not quite a... Okay, this is more like a um, a multi-sig attack where, again, someone like validators were keeping their uh, private mm-hmm. keys in the cloud, which again, like, do not do this, especially if you're a, a bridge or a sidechain. Oh, yeah. right. So that that's the way it was hacked. But it also reminds me of like something we talked about a long time ago during the earlier days of crypto is this concept of being um, having sovereign security resistant. So like the Bitcoiner concept of one day the nation states are going to come attack our blockchain and we have to mm-hmm. be ready for that we have to be resilient against those forms of attack we're not exactly sure how they will do this but this is now kind of a nation state operative group attacking crypto assets and after a fashion attacking chains so we're at that point in history where blockchains are getting attacked by nation states Mm -hmm. and uh that's why security matters i think more than ever particularly at the base layer so somewhat interesting security Uh, is tight we like security this is this is cool too. Maker is integrating Starknet. What is mm-hmm. uh, what's happening here? Yeah, basically they are de- they are deploying multi-collateral Dai. They're deploying MakerDAO onto Starknet natively, uh, and so that's that's the news. So congratulations to MakerDAO. 10x improvement in gas costs, of course. That is the big big carrot that these mm-hmm. protocols have for moving to layer two. Uh, David, let's talk about this in NFT news. So Punk six five two nine has just released something called OM. What is mm-hmm. OM? Yeah, OM. I actually don't know what OM stands for. My guess was open metaverse, but the name actually isn't whatever that stands for isn't out. Or maybe it just means OM. Uh, OM is a digital museum. Uh, and so 6529 has a fantastic NFT collection. He's a collector of collectors. And so he's building out this OM museum to display his NFTs in like some sort of like, it's also a, a digital land space. Uh, and so there is, it's kind of like, I think a, a hub and spoke model where there are actually 10 museums out there. And this is just the first one. And uh, there are going to be, I think, sales for the remaining amount of land. People can come and check out all of the NFTs in the gallery, probably with some sort of like virtual reality, uh, but it's probably viewable on your computer as well. Uh, and so uh, all of his first, uh, the first district, they're calling them districts, is going to display 2,000 NFTs from different collections, including uh, including uh, 6529s as well as some others, uh, Board Yacht Club, CryptoPunks, all the, all the uh, art blocks. Uh, and then over time, uh, these different districts, 10 self-governing cities, he describes them, uh, will be unveiled, unveiled and slowly rolled out in what is being called the alpha mode version of this metaverse museum. This is pretty stunning. I love these mm-hmm. visuals. This looks great. Do you think this will catch on? Do you think like the future of <clears throat> NFT museums is not physical? Go- going to uh, a museum in person sure. and seeing like a digital display, but actually go- going into the metaverse and displaying NFTs in somewhere like this? I, I certainly think there's room for both, but I definitely think that the product market fit behind a digital NFT museum. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, so many more people see my CryptoPunk on my Twitter avatar than they would if I displayed my CryptoPunk in my apartment, although people do see that because it's in the background of my weekly rollups. Um, but still, people see that on Twitter more. And so a digital metaverse, a digital museum is going to be much more accessible than a physical one. Do you know, as cool as this is, David, it, it does also feel a little skeuomorphic, right? Because we're sort of mm. replicating the museum. Ex- this is the first phase of, of crypto uh, display where we're sort mm-hmm. of replicating the museum experience, but putting that in the in the digital world. And mm-hmm. I wonder how much more we'll unlock. Right? It's kind of like the early early stages of the internet where we would just take a physical magazine and we just upload that basically. Right. 
Uh, and then we found out, no, website design is much more fluid, much more dynamic. There are way better ways to display this content than just porting the print magazine format to, to the digital world. I wonder if we'll see that in the future as well. Yeah, I think that's a good take. But in order to get to the internet, Ryan, you still had to start with putting a magazine on the internet. You have to go through the skeuomorphic phase, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is the model. Um, this is cool. Warner Music Group just partnered with POAP, the POAP mm -hmm. uh, protocol, to mint shared memories as NFTs. We've talked about POAP in the past. This is now a record label partnering mm -hmm. with POAP to, to do that. What do you think this means? Yeah, I think they're just going to be integrate NFTs in the same way everyone else loves NFTs, and they're very they're huge at conferences. Uh, Ryan, I saw actually out of the the Poap team, a credit card sized credit cards, I guess Poap Poap RFID chips, right? And so I can hand you my credit card, and you can put your phone on it, and then boom, you can mint my NFT or my my really? Poap. I mean, yeah, yeah. So like the cool thing is, instead like I have all these stickers, I have some of them here in this bag, like. This is the, the boomer phase of, of POAPs where I've been handing out these stickers the and then there's like a, Q, a QR code on the back. Yeah, and then yeah. people throw like, then they get the QR code and they can slap a sticker somewhere. But then this one is just like a card like you hold in your credit card wallet and you can just like place it under somebody's phone and then boom, mint a POAP. Uh, and so, uh, you know, this mine is the You Met David Hoffman POAP. Uh, there is, uh, with, a, with um, Warner Music Group, uh, the rapper Kevin Gates. Here's an example of how this is going to get used. Kevin Gates, never heard of him, um, is slated to integrate POAPs into his Kaza tour, making one available to fans who up who attend his upcoming show at Red Rocks wow. Amplitude. Wow, so you go, to a, you go to a concert and you get a POAP. Like right, like, duh, memory. that's that's perfect. Like, I was there. I was there. Like, no, no. no one and needs to And you get these hardcore that. fans who, I, I went to 10, I went to 20. I'm touring, right. I'm, I'm like right. basically going right. with this band all across the country all across mm -hmm. the world i'm collecting these right. poaps and then maybe right. on the other side of that now the creator has like an airdrop list a, a list you want to see who your, list. yeah i want to see who your a thousand top fans are mm -hmm. well it's people who have the most poaps right and so what do you do right. with that right That's super cool totally yeah it's uh use cases, use really, cases are really obvious exciting. yeah they, they they sure seem to be and yet at the same time we do have these like top signals maybe some mm. 2017 vibes in the NFT world. This is a an influencer shill price list. And so people aren't aware. There are a lot of NFT influencers in the space and they actually get paid to promote things. Okay? So like Crazy. be aware of this. This is um this is for if you want an, an NFT influencer to retweet your NFT, retweet something or do a shill tweet uh, to their followers. This is this is the price point for that. Um, you could get Lindsay Lohan, David. How much is Lindsay Lohan tweet going for to, sh to shill our NFT? A Lindsay Lohan tweet, uh, a shill tweet is $25,000. A retweet is $20,000. And then you can get a package deal for two tweets plus one retweet for $35,000, Ryan. So something else that's going on is Compound, the lending and borrowing protocol. One of the, the kickstarters of DeFi summer and the yield farming movement they might actually ditch yield farming, no longer issue tokens f to those supplying liquidity to the protocol. And uh, this comes, I think, on the back of uh, down bad for comp token, right? Like it's been bleeding relative to dollars, but also bleeding relative to ETH. Everything. And well, as all DeFi tokens have. All DeFi tokens have, but particularly the ones that are giving a lot of generous yield to those that are farming them, those that are basically providing liquidity to them because that acts as uh, a, a supply drain, right? So what are yield farming farmers doing? They're taking their, their tokens, they're saying thank you very much, and they're converting that to 
dollars or or uh, ETH or Bitcoin. They're just selling There's it. Market sell. So the holders of comp in the governance are saying, hey, this is not a sustainable strategy. Let's no mm -hmm. longer do that. And there's some yeah. governance proposals in the work to stop yield farming from the originators of the yield farming movement. What do you think? Yeah, it's nice to see, one, it's nice to see the comp governance actually doing something. Comp hasn't done anything in a long time. Like compound <laughs> has just been the way that it is, which is why people appreciate it, right? Generally considered rock solid. Uh, but like also... You guys could have done this. You guys could have seen this coming forever ago. Like comp has been yield farmed to death for like oh it was it's kickstarted DeFi summer, uh, and now it's killing the whole. It's killing the the thing that it started. Like almost two years later. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, when when the token price is down bad, people are like, hey, let's stop issuing. That's and natural. Yeah, they should, yeah. right? This is why these tokens need to be governed and the, and the holders need to be economically like incented. And they certainly are for token value appreciation. Uh, some other people like uh, Teddy from Notional Finance think it's a very bad idea um, saying that what will happen is your liquidity will dry up and your yields will dry up and people will stop using the compound protocol, right? Like what would happen is if you removed comp rewards, your, um, your interest rates on DAI would move from 2.7% to like um, 0.7%, 0.72%, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, are you gonna be able to sustain the liquidity after token, uh, the token rewards dry up? That's the big question. Well, they should be able to because as demand goes up, yields go up as well. And so is there enough die to borrow? It's not like Compound is uh, is an exchange that needs to have like liquid markets. It just needs to have ample supply. And if more DAI gets demanded out of the protocol, the yields do increase. Uh, so I'm not concerned about that. Yeah, I do think all token communities start thinking more about their economics during the bear season, right? Certainly. Um, Ethereum Certainly. is no different. Like Bitcoin's yep. no different. They all do this. Um, let's talk about this, David. So crypto, as we talked about before, is funding military defense. Look at this. Mm -hmm. This is from Ukraine. I think these are these vests. These are no, they're they're bulletproof plates. plates. Yeah, so they uh, slip into a vest. So it's just kind of nice to see the evidence of all the the crypto donations. We're two hundred sets of ballistic plates of class four, four class bulletproof vests. Don't know what that means, but I'm sure someone with military experience does. Um, but yeah, crypto buying bulletproof vests, cool. Crypto funding military defense, like it's kind of it's kind of cool. It's also a little dystopian, maybe. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it, bit. but. Yeah, it feels like uh, we're guys, in the 2020s. Yeah, this, welcome to the 2020s. This is what mm -hmm. we're doing now. Um, mm -hmm. Guys, we'll be back with the takes of the week. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Aave is the leading decentralized liquidity protocol. And now Aave V3 is here. Aave V3 has powerful new features to enable you to get the most out of DeFi, including isolation mode, which allows for many more markets to be launched with more exotic collateral types. And also efficiency mode, which allows for higher loan to value ratios. And of course, portals, allowing users to port their Aave position across all of the networks that Aave operates on, like Polygon, Phantom, Avalanche, Arbitrum, Optimism, and Harmony. The beautiful thing about Aave is that it's completely completely open source, decentralized, and governed by its community, enabling a truly bankless future for us all. To get your first crypto collateralized loan, get started at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. And also check out the Aave Protocol Governance Forums to see what more than 100,000 DAO members are all robbing about at governance.aave.com. 
Living a bankless life requires taking control over your own private keys. And that's why so many in the bankless nation already have their Ledger hardware wallet. And brand new to the Ledger lineup of hardware wallets is the Ledger Nano S Plus, a huge upgrade to the world's most popular hardware wallet. With more memory and a larger screen, the Nano S Plus makes it easy to navigate and verify your transactions. And the paired Ledger Live desktop app gives you increased transparency as to what is about to happen with your NFT. What you see is what you sign. The Nano S Plus gives you the smoothest possible user experience while you're doing all of your crypto things. So go to the Ledger website to check out the features of the new Ledger Nano S Plus and join the waitlist to get yours. And don't forget about the Crypto Life card, also powered by Ledger. The CL card is a crypto debit card that hooks right into the Ledger Live app, right next to all the DeFi apps and services that you're already used to doing, like swapping tokens and staking. So if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, go to ledger.com, grab a Ledger, and take control over your crypto. Arbitrum is an Ethereum layer 2 scaling solution that's going to completely change how we use DeFi and NFTs. Over 300 projects have already deployed to Arbitrum and the DeFi and NFT ecosystems are growing rapidly. Some of the coolest and newest NFT collections have chosen Arbitrum as their home, all the while DeFi protocols continue to see increased usage and liquidity. Using Arbitrum has never been easier, especially with the ability to deposit directly into Arbitrum through all the exchanges including Binance, FTX, Huobi, and Crypto.com. Once inside, you'll notice Arbitrum increases Ethereum speed by orders of magnitude for a fraction of the cost of the average gas fee. If you're a developer who wants low gas fees and instant transactions for your users, visit arbitrum.io slash developer to start building your dApp on Arbitrum. If you're a DGen, many of your favorite dApps on Ethereum are already on Arbitrum with many moving over every day. Go to bridge.arbitrum.io now to start bridging over your ETH and other tokens in order to experience DeFi NFTs in the way it was always meant to be. Fast, cheap, secure, and friction-free. All right, guys, we are back with the takes of the week. This is one from Lee Jin. Why don't you read this out, David? Yeah, Lee Jin, previous podcast guest about uh, the creator economy. She says, do things that make your friends and family worried about you, which <laughs> I definitely appreciated. What do you think she she means, Ryan? Uh, I think I think she's meaning like like her parents, her friends, her family were probably saying, are you sure you want to like dive into crypto right. in, mm -hmm. like to this degree? Go all in. It seems risky. Uh, we're worried about you. Is everything okay? Um, I don't know. What, what kind of reaction did you get from your family when you told them about your crypto shenanigans? Oh, yeah. I kind of added that my own t take to, down to her take right below it. You can see it. And I go, oh. my mom <laughs> my mom about my career choices throughout 2018 to 2020. And she was like, well, he's happy. So <laughs> That's such a mom thing to say. Uh -huh. Amazing. What does she think now, though? It's like 2021, oh, yeah. 2022. What, you know, for me, my family was like, uh, had no idea what I, I was really doing. But mm -hmm. then like Mark Cuban came on the Bankless podcast and they were like, oh, oh it's Mark my Cuban. God. Mark right. Cuban? Right. That was the name for them that really mm -hmm. stuck out. I'm like, mm -hmm. Mark Cuban's cool. I like Mark Cuban. But like we had Vitalik on, okay? Mm -hmm. That should be a big deal to you. But no, they were right. unimpressed by Vitalik. Really excited about Mark Cuban. For my family, it was Hester Peirce. My family's like definitely like political and engaged. My sister works in government. So having SEC commissioner Hester Peirce was like a big deal. Legitimacy. Uh, legitimacy, yeah. And then and then also <laughs> Andrew Yang, because they knew I was a big Yang fan. They're like, oh yeah, Dave's Dave's climbing all the way up there. That's pretty cool. Do you, do you think your family was always before like Hester Peirce came on the podcast, like, uh, I don't know what David's doing. It seems a little sketchy. And then uh, when no, you got an SEC commissioner. I, I definitely explained it to them. So like, oh, Dave's doing what he really, really likes. Uh, and But it was just like a, a normal job back yeah. then. Uh, and now it's like, yeah, the, the, the leading podcast in the crypto industry, which is a little different of a story. <laughs> well, he's happy. Dave's <laughs> He's happy. He's happy. Big smile on his face. 
That's awesome, man. Uh, Andrew Cronier, we talked about this in the beginning. Somebody who's not happy. He's not happy. Um, basically, a line from his Medium post is, crypto culture has strangled crypto ethos. So he went through this whole blog post called The Rise and Fall of Crypto Culture. Crypto is dead, long live crypto. I think the TLDR of this post is basically, we need more regulation. I now more than ever see the need, he says, or even necessity for regulation, not as a mechanism to prevent, but as a mechanism to protect. It's like a child trying to stick their finger into the electric outlet. You stop them before they can learn why they shouldn't. One day they will understand, but not today. Andre, the father of many DeFi protocols and sort of the, I, I guess one of the the main architects behind that like yeah. um, ship fast break things. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like his strategy. Like I test in prod. Remember that right. was the line coming yeah. out of uh, you know twenty twenty twenty, and now is saying we need tighter controls, more regulation, more oversight of this industry. What do you think? <laughs> this is ridiculous, dude. He was the guy that incentivized this behavior. He like <laughs> he became Andre Cronier because he gave the apes fuel. He gave the apes things to ape into. And now he's like, you know what? This industry needs less things for the apes to do. It's like, dude, you're the reason why you're making the complaints in the first place. Like it, it reminds me of like the, the quick like there, there was this guy, I can't remember who it was, but the bit, bit license in New York was made by like this federal regulator or something and made the bit license, which made it very, very hard to actually like spin up a big a, a Bitcoin or crypto company in New York. In New York. And yeah. you know what he did after that, Ryan, after he made that, he made the bit license? No. He started entire- consulting for how to, how to get approved for the bit license. <laughs> And it's you the think same, Andre it's, wants to become a regulator? <laughs> I well, I don't know. He but first he's like he's like, oh, dude, all of this ape culture is terrible. But he got rich off of ape culture. He got famous off of ape culture. He's got like extremely well respected by his populist following because of ape culture. And I was like, well, I don't like ape culture because it there needs to be regulations. They're too apey. It's like, dude, you created this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, testing and prod kind of does that to you. This is uh, this is another take from a critic who I think shares uh, some of your points. You want to read this out? Yeah, it goes, a man who makes nine to 10 figures building multitudes of shitcoins and projects thanks to crypto's lack of regulation, then quits the space and now advocates for the biggest meme of all, investor protection and regulation. Welcome to the clown world. Yep, that's a, that's, and this is, seems to be consensus by people that I've, that I've talked to. I, uh, I would like to actually talk to Andre at some point about this mm-hmm. take and uh, he, hear how he explains it. It's actually been a while right. since he's been on the podcast, but maybe we'll just mm-hmm. let this blow over for a bit yeah. and uh, see what happens. David, you had another take about, mm-hmm. uh, again, this is, this is sort of about MFers, which mm-hmm. I think MFers are really cool. These, these NFTs that uh, work off of the Creative Common license. So anyone can create a derivative of them. Anyone mm-hmm. can essentially fork them and create their own version of those. And there was an airdrop to all mm-hmm. MF holders. It on, took place- On 420. On 420, all right. Mm-hmm. There's these awesome uh, crazies, they're called, MFers that were just airdropped to everyone who has an NF, uh, an, uh, an MF, MF NFT. MF-er. Yeah. Yeah, and um, like you just got it automatically. And there's mm-hmm. like psychedelic, derivative MFs that look pretty awesome. And you got a take about this. What's your take? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said MFers are the new money printer because MFers are like the OG 
of the of the MF or ecosystem, but there's been thousands, what seems like thousands of derivatives, right? Some airdrops, some, some just randomly minted, some you get to claim if you have an MF or some are completely different. But it reminded me of like the era of um, Bitcoin fork and fair launches where people would fork off Bitcoin uh, and then make their own like new blockchain using the Bitcoin uh, state. And if you had Bitcoin, you had all of these new tokens because it was a fork off of off of the Bitcoin network. So if you had Bitcoins, you had tokens on this new chain. And so Bitcoin was the, the brand for Bitcoin at the time was Bitcoin gets all the upside of all these derivatives because you can always Bitcoin you Cash, want. Bitcoin Diamond, right. Bitcoin Satoshi's right. Vision, whatever right. else. So if you sold all of your Bitcoin forks, you would just get a lot more Bitcoin, right? And yeah. so like I'm seeing the same thing play out because MFers are so easy to make derivatives of. The OG MFers are like the OG Bitcoin, right? You get all the derivatives. Like you just get the money printer. Uh, and so that was my take. MFers are the new money printer, but for NFTs this time. That's cool. It's openness can be a competitive advantage and a competitive mm -hmm. strategy, certainly. And that's mm -hmm. what uh, Creative Commons license provides for, uh, for MFers. Also, uh, I have a lot of MFers, so this is me chilling my bag here. <laughs> well, full disclosure there then. Um, yeah. I only have one, David. Yeah, I should you probably have, have more, but now I have some derivatives too. Mm -hmm. um, Man, should we get into it? What are you excited about this week? Well, uh, Ryan, we still have all the rest of the week for DevConnect. Uh, so uh, today there's some parties. Tomorrow's going to be some even more parties. And then on, on Sunday, there's Rave. So I'm si excited to finish up DevConnect. But th one thing I noticed is that during uh, the Layer 2 beat, the Layer 2 Amsterdam uh, uh, two-day summit of sorts, uh, there was a, a, you could get a very like hint of what's coming down the line during L2 season. And then we kicked off, the, the first Dankrad opened up about a very well-informed talk about what is left in the L Layer 2 ecosystem to really, the boxes that need to be checked, right? Uh, very good talk to get up to speed with Layer 2s. And then followed by Bartek from Layer 2 Beat talking about his risk framework, saying like, okay, like, we got, we have like upgradable contracts. That's something that needs to be fixed. We have centralized sequencers, like over time that needs to decentralize. And like he, in the, uh, layer two B does a really good job of like showing all the weaknesses and all the different L2s that need to be patched. And he used the Arbitrum 12 hour sequencer downtime that happened like last September. That's an example. As an example, and actually we write, reported on this, Ryan, like, oh, yeah, in layer twos, if they go down, you can just exit through the Ethereum L1. You can just exit through the main chain. And yes, that is true in theory about layer twos in their very mature state, but that wasn't true, Ryan, about Arbitrum at the time. And a lot of people didn't actually know that. Uh, and so Bartek was uh, talking about the, and this is what he's trying to get known by the ecosystem is there's a lot of lacking of standards and definitions uh, that we can't really talk about, like what is true and what is not true without this risk framework. So that's what Bartek is working on right now. Uh, but it got really spicy, Ryan, because he was talking about, yeah, like little did people know you couldn't actually have gotten that L1 transaction through. It wouldn't have worked because there's still a lot of gaps in the armor for these layer twos. But you could hear, I was sitting, the Arbitrum team and the Arbitrum, I think this was the CEO, unconfirmed, was sitting behind me and you could hear them rumors like, wait a second, that's not true. That's not true. That, that's wrong. Uh, and then basically they got really frustrated and the Arbitrum CEO, I think, said, just loudly said, that's not true and made, made Bartek stumble uh, and, and like got really spicy some in the room. Tension? Gig, some tension, Rising some tension? tension in the room, right? Uh, and so then I, then I went to a couple of the, after, after that talk, 
like wrapped up. I went to a, a couple of the, the L2 teams and talked about that moment because they weren't there in the room. And they were like, well, actually, no, it actually was true. Uh, but the point is, is exactly like the reason why we can't come to consensus on what's true or not is because why we need definitions. Imprecise and standards. definitions. Exactly. So exactly. Arbitrum is right under their definition and right. other, mm-hmm. other teams are right under their definition. But I guess the takeaway here is you're saying there's like the kids are fighting. There's some the kids are, the kid, they're, they're claiming they're trying to clamor for like legitimacy and they're trying to clamor for just a, like, you know, they're clamoring. People are clamoring. Uh, and like we got the hints of the optimism token coming well, soon. And so that's going to yeah. kick off. You know what tokens do is they just they just uh, mm. add steroids to everything you're doing. So yes. if you have a little hint of tribalism, just a little mm-hmm. hint of like mm-hmm. our layer two is better than yours, which is only natural, right? They're all competitive mm-hmm. environments. Add a token to that. Oh, yeah. And your, your tiny campfire becomes an inferno. Right. And suddenly you have Bigly. like tokenized communities mm-hmm. who uh, just are just meme armies like shitting right. on all sorts of different communities and battles right. back and forth. And we get what we already have in the alt layer mm-hmm. one world, which is right. all of these communities fighting with one another. And then people going shaking their heads and be like, why is crypto so tribal? It's because <laughs> the incentives make us very tribal, don't they? That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So like for better or for worse, Ryan, this is coming and competition is always good for the end user. So yeah. I think this is really going to accelerate the development of layer twos. L222 is just around the corner. You can taste it. And Ryan, that is what I'm excited about. Well, I am sort of, my position is kind of the, I want all the kids to get along and the whole mm-hmm. family to get along. I want us all to scale uh, decentralization. I want mm-hmm. us all to scale Ethereum. So I am excited about all of these various experiments. I think all, many of the, all of the layer two teams, almost mm-hmm. all of them are just legit. Mm-hmm. like passionate doing this for Big the time. right reasons just fantastic but it kind of reminds me you know we use the nation state analogy for like the united roll-ups of ethereum is kind of mm-hmm. like the the us and the states are the various roll-ups and ethereum is kind of like the federal government uh it's almost like california kind of wants to get in a fight with texas a little bit right and take like west coast versus east texas. coast yeah. yeah it's a little like yeah biggie versus tupac i don't know north mm-hmm. versus south something like this uh, florida versus texas mm-hmm. California. I don't know. It's, there's something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I think that's coming too. So we will of course have to navigate that. But uh, can I like, just, just to tie off the DevConnect conversation. Wait, 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 before we do though, uh, yeah. we all know the crypto industry runs on attention and what is going to make, have more attention than a bunch of layer twos fighting with each other. Like bullish fighting bullish question fighting <laughs> but I don't want to fight all the time, David. Oh, it's coming, Ryan. <laughs> It's coming. Right, buckle up, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just kind of thought maybe some of the L2s would just, um, I don't know, band together? It's a common mission? Well, common- they are going to be bridged together by the bridges. So at the end of the day, we're all one big ecosystem. At least we're not separate layer ones, Ryan. <laughs> we're all <laughs> in it together. That's the worst alignment. That's the worst, That's the worst alignment one. you can have. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Well, just to, just to tie up DevConnect then, mm-hmm. what are your big takeaways from DevConnect? And we, we promised a little bit of alpha through Justin Drake mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. So uh, what did Drake tell you? When, what's the, when merge, David? Yeah, so Don't we, we give us getting, a date. We were getting beers, right? And we wanted to, uh, we, were, we were asking Justin this and, and we were joking about, all right, we're going to put all of our empty beers in front of Justin and give him the last full beer. And then we're going to take a picture of Justin. And Justin says, we're going to merge tomorrow. <laughs> we ended up not doing that, obviously. Uh, but he said a few months. Uh, and so the consensus has shifted amongst a very small set of people at this table uh, to sometime to August to October. August to October is the new shelling Question point mark. of time. 
question right. mark. Um, but the the core devs were all locked in a room together, kind of like how you like got to lock all the politicians together if you needed them to come up with something. But they are yeah. making they're doing a ton of progress. They're doing a, uh, all these ghost forks. Again, the, this is not some sort of like. New York mainnet consensus, Coindesk consensus conference. Shit is getting done right now at this conference, and you can actually see it. Uh, the Bartek's talk for Layer 2 is about, here is the checkboxes that the Layer 2s need to get done. We need to work on this. That Ooh, same I thing wanna, happened. I want to watch that talk. Yeah, you got to watch somewhere? that. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Okay. Uh, I also had a fantastic talk with a lot of the core teams, uh, Danny Ryan, Dankrad, uh, Preston Van Loon, uh, a few others. Uh, really good talk as well. Uh, I'll, well. I'll try and find that and link that in the show notes as well. Uh, just so much information being passed around, so we're all syncing our nodes about what the state of the industry is is in, so we can progress forward. Um, again, the, the vibes in the uh, the co-working space, the shelling point where everyone goes to hang out, which is where I'm going next after after this, uh, are just fantastic. I'm meeting a ton of fr- uh, new people, also seeing a ton of all my, all my friends. Oh, it's just it's just great, man. That's awesome. How's uh, mm-hmm. how's uh, Sasano doing? Oh, Susanna's doing great. Uh, he yeah. he led the la- layer two panel, uh, you know, and, and yeah, it, it's great to see him. Great to hang out. That's awesome, mm-hmm. man. Oh, very mm-hmm. cool. Yep. Good yep. stuff. Progress gets made when if the ETH people all get together. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of doubters on Twitter right now saying, uh, yeah, yeah, you're just hedging and uh, the merge is never going to happen. Or if, if okay. it does happen, it's certainly not happening in 2022. So um, the only way you can quiet that is to actually ship the thing. Do it. So right. mm-hmm. I think we're getting close. Yeah, DevConnect is a yearly thing, so I'm looking forward to doing this again next year. Yeah, Ryan, what are you excited about, my man? Uh, we just bought Bankless.com. All right. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> so last week it was the trademark. Uh, this week we got Bankless.com. We'd been on the hunt for this for a while, uh, and um, you know we found we found the person who was selling it, did a private transaction. So that is in the process of getting transfer. That's not my story though. Okay, mm. like that's what's exciting. But my story is about, like, sometimes I like to torture myself. We still have to have a bank account for certain things. So mm-hmm. when you buy a domain name, you have to, like, transmit Transfer funds money. to an escrow yeah. service, right? So it's all fiat. There's this service called escrow.com. So the only way, David, for us to get money from our fiat bank account, which, again, we have to have for certain things. I can't pay for this thing with USDC or uh, or ETH, for example, is uh, to, to use our bank account, okay? And, like... A couple years ago, actually, before you know how uh, Vitalik started Ethereum because you know the joke is uh, his warlock and WoW got nerfed. Right. Okay. I partially started the Bankless newsletter because I was pissed because Bank of America shut down my bank accounts, my business bank accounts. <laughs> All right. Like true story. It's just like mm-hmm. kicked me out. Just received a dear John letter. Within 30 days, you and all of your assets have to go. Bye-bye. See you later. Uh, And why? The reason was because I had a cryptocurrency transaction, a withdrawal from Coinbase to my Bank of America account. Coinbase. And that flagged me. Oh, it must be shady. So booting. So we've had, uh, for Bankless, we've had like a credit union, which Mm -hmm. are generally more more friendly. Like the cannabis industry has experienced this. Um, Little banks instead of a big bank. Tiny banks, right? With like, they know their community managers, part of the community, and they don't have these big risk assessments. Anyway, uh, we're trying to transfer funds, wire funds. I have to show up at, at the credit union in person, present my ID. They ask me like what I'm doing with the funds. I'm like, just, you know, are you buying property? Yeah, after a fashion, digital property, it's a domain name. And, you know, got that process through. Anyway, what happened is uh, the wire did not get transferred that day. And apparently this got escalated through the credit union. 
um, because they looked up Bankless and they saw that we were a crypto podcast in the crypto industry. And there were internal meetings and it was deemed risky. And so, yeah, you're just hearing this because you've been in Amsterdam. So I had multiple conversations with like bank managers at the credit union trying to explain what we were doing. Like we're a podcast, we have a subscription service. Like <laughs> we're, we're extremely not... legitimate. <laughs> and they they were like, "But you're issuing a token. What's your token?" I'm like, "Oh, you're talking about an NFT? Because right. if you are a Bankless Premium member, yes, there is a POAT badge that you can get. It's an NFT. Are you familiar with what NFTs were?" And the guy I was talking to is just hilarious, right? Because he was like, "Oh, I'm totally down with NFTs. I just I love it. I just have to convince these guys, these other guys, right?" You can tell he was like this younger. Uh, uh-huh. Bank manager, I guess, having to talk to the three to five old Older, guys right. uh-huh. in the office and convince them that they should not kick us out of our credit union bank. They should actually process. Oh, we almost got unbanked. Oh, totally, dude. They oh. were this close, right? This close Boomers. to being flagged. Boomers. Yeah. And so, okay, that story, right? I just, mm-hmm. you know. It's not, I'm not, we're not being super persecuted, whatever. We still have crypto rails. It's just kind of an inconvenience. It's annoying, but it reflects on me that if you have a money in a bank account, you don't actually own the money, right? You want to move that money out? Imagine, because this is what really happens. You ask five guys in, in suits, in some office somewhere, if you can move your own damn money. Please, sir, can I move my money from one place to another? Please, Mm -hmm. will you allow me to do it? No, because you're in the crypto industry or no, because we don't like your political perspective or whatever it is, right? Uh, So it just drives the point home that this is why we need to go bankless, David. you know, this is we need the ability to exit the existing system and we need the freedom to be able to move our funds from one place to another. That is a civil liberty for mm-hmm. the digital era, for the 21st century. And if you have your money in an account, you don't have those liberties. You don't actually own your money in a bank right. account. You know what the cherry on top of that story is? That the what? escrow service that we, were, yeah, we were sending the money for could have just been a smart contract. I know, <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. Like this could have been done like that. Smart contract. Right. Oh, and if it's an ENS domain, boom. Right. Both the parties deposit, done. Probably for less money too. Yeah, I mean, like inside of 10 transfer? minutes, one gas fee, like no five dudes in ties you need to take time out of their day. In a building. Uh, and like, in a I physical called, like, building with I talked with to like three light. branch yeah. members. Mm-hmm. I had to go in person, like say hello. Somebody mm-hmm. paper filled out the wire transfer information, copying it from mm-hmm. digital to, like it's just so inefficient. People consumed gas in their car to get to that building on that day. Like that's taking up space that could have been housing for people. Like, yeah. you know, you got to go bankless, right? Like people, people could talk about how much energy like uh, Bitcoin is consuming. What about all the unnecessary ridiculousness of the entire banking well, industry that could be they, automated? They also talk about how crypto UX just sucks and has like, yeah, sure. Parts of it. But like, no, that UX sucks. Right. I just try to get money from one place uh-huh. to another and I can't do it without talking to like five different people showing up in person presenting my ID arguing mm-hmm. my p- case almost getting kicked out of my bank account that sucks that's bad UX mm-hmm. 
So th- yeah, there was there was one time I had to make a, a wire transfer that was like over the limit of like fifteen thousand dollars or something, and I was not home. I was in San Francisco at the time, and I couldn't go into a, a Wells Fargo branch. Yeah. Uh, and so I called them and say, "Hey, can we just like ignore this fifteen thousand dollar limit because I got I have to do it. I had to, it had to be done like that day basically." And they were like, "Uh, no, like we can't do that. Like in order to do anything above fifteen thousand dollars, we need to send you like a PGP key or something like one of those little USB authenticators." And I'm like, okay, but like, I need to do this a day, so it's not gonna happen fast enough. A PGP key, they wanted to send me a PGP key so I could USB it into my computer so I could verify my identity. That's just a boomer uh, hard, hard uh, hardware wallet. It's, I don't even understand how how do they know it's you who they're sending it Cause, to? Because they send it to they would send it to my address and then I would have it and they could have like I don't I don't know. But it's basically a private key. They're at, they're asking me for have a, a hardware wallet except it's a PGP key like Google Auth and a USB. It's a hardware wallet. They just want me to have a hardware wallet <laughs> with extra it's the steps. Same, with extra steps and it's that worse. They have to and, physically mail to you. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so broken, dude. It's so broken. It is broken, but you know. You got to use the banking system every once in a while to mm-hmm. uh, to see how far we're coming. To like, it always reestablishes right. the crypto vision for me. I'm like, oh yeah, this does suck. <laughs> this Don't give me this crap nowhere. and tell me like tradfi is fine as is. Right. Dead end. Yeah, crypto UX definitely has room to improve, but at least you get to do it from the comfort of your own home. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not kicked out of the bank account. The oh, good news yes. is they mm-hmm. didn't kick us. They finally processed the wire. Maybe they listened mm-hmm. to a bankless podcast in the, in the process. Yeah. I don't know. They definitely looked yeah. us up. So we still have our credit union right. so uh you know we're on the path to going bankless but we still got that credit cool. union for now thank you for taking care David. of that okay thank you for, congrats, congratulations for taking care of uh, for getting the the bankless.com thank you for taking care of that also oh, it's fun the alpha is that the bankless.com website is coming um not anytime oh, yeah. soon still got to build yeah. it but yeah. web3 bankless on the we're way we're doing things on the splash way. page soon mm-hmm. uh <laughs> david meme of the week what's meme the, of the meme week? of the Let's week all right i'm showing it now here we go what do we got oh yeah Okay, so this is, a, this is a little bit of a deep cut, but for those that remember the Constitution DAO, this is a Brooke Lampy who was on Team Constitution DAO when we were submitting our bids to buy the Constitution. And it goes, breaking, Musk retained services of Brooke Lampy from Sotheby's to lead Twitter deal. <laughs> not not, much, was not like, too much of a meme, but yeah. She was actually taking the, the calls, right? And it, yeah. this was Constitution mm-hmm. DAO versus, um, what's his name, she, Ken Griffin? Yeah, she represented Constitution down in the auction. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, Ken Griffin ended up winning. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she, she's become a crypto meme. And yeah. um, I, have you been following the Musk thing acquisition of Twitter no, I more this week? Yeah, a little uh, bit, but not really. It's kind of fun. It's like there's mm-hmm. poison pills and there's back and yeah. forth with Musk and what's he going to do? Anyway, it's a fun story. Guys, that's all we have time for right now. David's got to get to some things in Amsterdam. Uh, but thanks for hanging with us on the weekly roll-up. As always, none of this has been financial advice. Bitcoin, ETH are risky. So are NFTs. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.